cannot say this too many times, although by the end of the sermon you may think I have. I cannot say this too many times. I cannot overemphasize it. The Lord Jesus gives you His Spirit to empower you to be His witness, to empower you to testify for Him, to make you exhibit A in the ongoing case for Christ. So let's dig a little bit deeper into this subject this morning. And just to get started, will you stand with me, please, as you're able to do that? And just to get us focused and moving, we're, we're simply going to read uh, 1 John chapter 1, verse 3. 1 John chapter 1, verse 3. Together we read, We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. This is the word of the Lord, and you may be seated. Being a witness for the Lord Jesus is very simply sharing what you've seen and heard. Being a witness for the Lord Jesus is very simply sharing what you already know. And we do that in an effort to help others join us in fellowship, particularly in fellowship with the Lord Himself. Too often, however, when Christians hear about the need to share their faith, the need to share their testimony, the need to share their story. Too often when Christians hear of that need, they think of the word evangelism, and they freak out, and they freeze up. Immediately you begin to hear things like, I'm not an evangelist. I don't think I could do that. I'm not good at talking to people. I'll serve God some other way. All of which begs two very important questions. First, do you believe the Bible? And second, have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? And I say it raises those two, those two questions because Jesus says in the Bible, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. The Holy Spirit has come first and foremost to make you a witness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not to give you goosebumps, not to make you excited, but to make you a witness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And for my part, I believe the Holy Spirit is very good at what He does. As I noted in this past week's small group study, many evangelical leaders are convinced that the real evidence, the primary evidence of the coming of the Spirit of God in the life of a believer isn't speaking in tongues, but rather speaking boldly as a witness for the Lord. In case you're wondering for what it's worth, I believe when the Holy Spirit comes to you, He comes to do both those things. But all that leads me to another question, <clears throat> which is, why then? Why? Why then? that so very many Christians are hesitant to share their story, hesitant to share their faith, hesitant to share the story of God. Why does the word evangelism send so many shivers down so many Christian spines? I believe the answer is because there's tremendous misunderstanding in the church about what the word evangelism means and about what the Lord really expects from you. 
true to form, I believe we've taken, taken something super simple and made it way, way, way too complicated. We've taken something that should come naturally and turned it into something way too formal. Let me just remind you how those very first followers of the Lord Jesus shared their stories and the story of God. We read it together a few moments ago. John wrote, we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard. What we've seen and heard. And we do it so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. When the Sanhedrin commanded the apostles to stop sharing their story, stop sharing the story of God, Peter and John replied, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. And I wonder if you notice the phrase that appears in both those verses. It is the phrase, what we have seen and heard. The first followers of Jesus spent their lives as witnesses for Jesus, simply sharing what they knew of Jesus. Simply sharing what they had seen and heard and experienced of him. In fact, the truth is, that's the only way anyone has ever been a witness for the Lord Jesus. You share what you know. You share what you saw. You share what you've learned. You share what you experienced. In Luke chapter 2, after the angels appear to the shepherds, and they scurry off and, and see the, the, the Lord Jesus in the manger. The Bible says in Luke 2, 17, when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about this child. Listen to me, all they did, all they did was talk to people about what they'd seen and what they'd heard. In John chapter 4, when Jesus had that conversation with a Samaritan woman at the well, the Bible says she went back to her village, she went back to her town, and began to tell people about the conversation. She said, uh, where, there, she said, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? And when it comes to the Samaritan woman, all she did, well, the whole town got saved, and all she did was go around telling folk about her encounter with the Lord Jesus. In Mark chapter 5, when, when Jesus delivers the, the uh, Gadarene demoniac, a man uh, consumed by a legion of demons. The guy wanted to follow him around. He wanted to go with Jesus. He wanted to stick with Jesus. But Jesus said to him in Mark 15, 19, go home to your family, listen, and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. Tell them. Tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So let me ask you this question. Has the Lord ever done anything for you? Jesus said to the gathering demonic, go tell somebody what God did for you. If God has ever done anything for you, that's your testimony. Let me ask you this morning. Has the Lord ever shown you mercy? Have you ever needed mercy and the Lord showed up and gave it to you? Jesus told the Gadarene demoniac, go tell your family how the Lord had mercy on you. If the Lord has ever had mercy on you, that's your testimony. Let me ask you this morning. Do you love the Lord? Do you? Why? Why do you love him? Listen to me. Why do you love him? What's, what's, what's he ever done? What's he ever done to make you love him? What's he like that makes you love him? Because that's your testimony. Let me ask you, 
Do you trust the Lord? Really? Do you really trust Him? I mean, do you trust Him? Why? What's He like that made you trust Him? What's He ever done that made you trust Him? Because that's your testimony. Frederick's right there with me. Hallelujah. Can you tell somebody why you love your mom? Can you tell somebody why you love your kid? Can you tell somebody why you love your brother? Can you tell somebody why you love the Tar Heels or heaven forbid why you love the Blue Devils? Because <laughs> listen to me. Listen to me. If you can do that and you are a follower of Jesus, I promise you, you can tell somebody why you love the Lord. And you already have Holy Spirit power to help you. Can you tell somebody why you trust your doctor? Can you tell somebody why you trust your accountant? Can you tell somebody why you trust your very best friend in the world? Because if you can, and you are a follower of Jesus, I promise you, you can tell somebody why you trust the Lord. And you already have Holy Spirit power to help you do that. Everybody that has ever been a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ very simply did that. They told what they knew. They told what they'd seen. They told what they'd experienced. They told what they'd heard. They told what they'd learned. They told what they already knew. That's it. That's all they did. What happened with that was God's business. That's the only way you can be a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. The Apostle John said, we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard. That's what the early church did. They shared what the Lord had done in the world, and they shared what the Lord had done in them. The apostles weren't running around having tremendous arguments about theology. They get, didn't get terribly bogged down over the precise meaning of the word predestination or over the doctrine of eternal security. They weren't spending a lot of time debating immersion versus sprinkling or trying to convince the people they came, came in contact with of the mosaic authorship of the Pentateuch. Now, I want to tell you for what it's worth, I believe all those things matter at some level. But they were never meant to take up the kind of time and attention they take up in many believers' lives today. And honestly, most Christians aren't presently equipped to wade terribly deeply into those waters. But can I tell you what you are equipped for? You're equipped to share your story. You're equipped to share what you've seen and what you've heard. What you know today. Not what you will learn if you get a master's degree. You're equipped to share what you know right now. Of the goodness of God. And the greatness of God. And the activity of God in your life. You're equipped to tell your story. The story of how you came to trust in Christ of what you were like before him and how he's been steadily changing you since. You're equipped to tell the straightforward story of God as laid out plainly in the Bible. You're equipped to do that. That God made everything and he made it good. That the people he made rebelled against him. Rather than going his way, they went their own way. That when they did that, they made a mess of things. That God in his mercy sent the Lord Jesus Christ to show us 
who he really is. To show us who we were meant to be. To die on a cross to pay for our sins. To rise from the dead as the Lord of life. So that he could give new life to anyone who would follow him. You are absolutely equipped to share the story of God. As plainly explained in the scriptures. And that's exactly what the first followers of Jesus did. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard. Peter said, we can't help ourselves. We can't stop ourselves. We cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Now, I have to be honest. To be sure, those early followers of Jesus had a, had, had a, had a special power from the Holy Spirit to enable them to do exactly that. They had a special grace, a special anointing from the Spirit of God to function as witnesses of the Lord Jesus. But here's the kicker. So do you. You have access to that very same power, access to that very same grace, access to that very same anointing. If you've been filled with the Holy Spirit, you've been empowered by Him to share your story. Empowered by him to share the story of God. So all we're talking about in this entire series is you beginning to share what you already know. Sharing what you've personally seen and encountered. Sharing what God has shown you. What he's shown you directly in your own life. What he's shown you plainly in the Bible. And if you have been filled with the Holy Spirit, you already have power and grace to do that. And so, if you want to get going right now, and I pray we get going right now. If you want to get going right now as the witness for Jesus you were called to be, the witness for Jesus you were saved to be, the witness for Jesus you were filled with the Spirit of God to be, if you want to get going with that right now, there are three things you need to do. Number one, you need to get familiar with your own story. Number two, you need to believe the Bible. And number three, you need to open your mouth first. You need to take some time. You need to take some time to think and sit with the Lord and pray. You might need to sit down with somebody who's known you for a really long time. But you need to take some time to become more familiar with your own story. Because here's the truth. Most of us tend to go through life without really paying any attention. We're too busy doing what we're doing to pay that much attention to what we're doing. As a result, we often miss what God's doing in us and for us and around us and through us. Oftentimes, people aren't paying attention to how God's changing them, to how God's blessing them, to how God's correcting them, to how he's growing them up. But to be the witness for the Lord Jesus you are called and appointed to be, you need to take the time to pay attention. How has God changed you? You need to consider that question. How has he led you? What have you seen of his goodness and mercy? Who has God used in your life? Who has God sent into your life to bless you and shape you and mold you and help you? Today's Mother's Day. Carolyn, you come on up. Today's Mother's Day. And, and I asked Carolyn Cuthbertson if she'd be willing to come and share a brief testimony of how God used her mother to help bring her to himself. She um, said yes. 
Which, which mic should I use, Brian? Can I use Pastor Matt? I got to hold it close. Okay. I know this has to be shocking to see me up here. <laughs> when Billy asked me to tell a little bit of my story and how my mom played a role in my walk with the Lord on Mother's Day, I thought, are you kidding me? Speaking in front of people? <laughs> I really do speak in front of people all the time, but they're about this big. And they know I cry, and it's okay with them. This is a little different, so at the end of time, there may need to be an interpreter, not for tongues, but for tears. So, good. Thank you. Uh, I come from a large family. There were seven kids in my family, and I loved being part of a large family most of the time. Go <coughs> going to the grocery store was not one of those times. We always had five or six buggies full of food. That was totally embarrassing at the checkout line or having a flat tire on the way to the beach for a week and having to empty all of the stuff for seven kids and two adults for a week from a car at a gas station in the middle of the city to get the spare tire out. And it's the road on the way to the beach, so you're on the way to the beach and so is everybody else, and they see you. That was horrible. But otherwise, we were just a regular family. <clears throat> I grew up at St. Giles Presbyterian Church here in Charlotte. Went to Sunday school and church every Sunday, and as I got older, youth group on Sunday nights. We sang in the children's choir and always went to VBS. It was just what you did. No one questioned or fought against it. School, church, homework, play outside until dark. As I began junior high, it was then that I began to realize that my mom was different from all my friends' moms. My mom had something I didn't have. And I had no clue what it was. But I knew that whatever it was, it was real. I watched her give her time selflessly to others. First of all, to her family, cooking meals every day. We never, ever went out to eat while I was growing up, ever. So that means she cooked breakfast and lunch in the summer and dinner every single day for all of us. Tons of laundry, didn't have a dryer clean a huge house, ironing, gardening, making all our clothes. She volunteered at, in many different ways and places, teaching young ladies how to sew or cook or helping kids with homework. And these things made a big impression on me. And it was part of my thoughts as I continued to get older. When I was in the ninth grade, my civics teacher, Manette Trosh, had us write a paper on what we wanted to be or do with our lives in the coming years. And got to know I was a really good student. I loved to do my work, and I loved to do it well, and was well organized, and I never missed any school. But that was a very difficult paper to write because of the things I learned about civics and such from Miss Trosh. I wanted to be a lawyer, but I couldn't figure out how to do that and be like my mom. It was a very big mental conflict, and my paper reflected that. I didn't know any lawyers, but just thinking about the law and my mother, they just didn't match, and it just didn't seem to go together. 
So it was from that moment on for the rest of my growing up years that I knew what my answer would be when anyone asked what when anyone would ask what I wanted to do or to be. I dropped the lawyer business and would just say, I don't know what I want to do, but I do know I want to be like my mom. And in my teen years, I realized that a neighbor who also went to St. Giles was also different like my mom, and they did stuff together. My mom didn't drive, so the things that she went and did, this lady had six kids, and but she also had that unknown to me something my mom had. So my answer then became I want to be like my mom and Miss Parker. People used to look at me, especially my peers, when I would say that. Couldn't explain it, but I knew it was the truth, and I stuck with it. As a matter of fact, there were times when I would be with my friends, you know, and an adult would come in, and we'd be talking, and they'd ask, what do you want to be? What do you want to do? And they would all look at me and go, well, she wants to be like her mom and Miss Parker, you know, kind of making fun of me, but it was okay. That's exactly what I wanted to be. Uh, <coughs> in the early 70s, when the Holy Spirit blew through Charlotte, St. Giles added a Thursday night prayer and praise evening, and we all went, and we loved it. I wasn't really sure what it was actually all about. It was lively, great songs, and things happened literally right before my eyes. But I went and participated because it was like going to school, something you did. I had an incredible head knowledge of Jesus, but I didn't know him personally. But I didn't know that I needed that. I met Bill during this time, and he and our friends and siblings, we all went to services at different churches around Charlotte, Sugar Creek, uh, Resurrection. Uh, there was a first assembly on Staley Bark. The Lord was move <coughs> moving in mighty ways all through Charlotte. It was incredible. Very early in this movement, we were at a friend's house, actually right up the street here having dinner, and uh, a couple of friends came in really late. And they were breathless. Literally, it was like, oh, my gosh, something has happened. And, you know, you open the door, and they just can hardly breathe. And they're just standing there, and they're talking 90 miles an hour. They wanted us to leave immediately, go to the mountains to meet Jesus, who was coming in on some sort of spaceship. Now you have to remember, this is hippie time, too. And they were really big. They that, that Those two people were really big hippies. But. My head knowledge of Jesus and the stories I knew from the Bible didn't sound anything like that. So I quietly got up and went down the hall to the bedroom and picked up the phone and called my mom. And it was in that long conversation with her and my asking questions and relaying what was being said in the living room and questioning everything with her incredible patience and tenderness and helping and answering everything, leading and guiding that I met Jesus. And my very first thought is, this is what my mom had. Th that was just the very first thing I thought of is the minute it happened. I thought, oh, my gosh, this is what my mom had. And now I had it. And I will tell you, everything, everything came to life before my eyes. The trees, the sky, the flowers, the bushes, they all, their color was just different. It was just an incredible experience. I am not sure how I would have met him if it weren't for my mom because I hate to admit this with my husband being here, but I'm pretty stubborn. And I think I know it all. But I can so see his hand on my life through those moments of watching my mother 
live her life differently from other people and the strong desire to be like her. I can tell you I fall far short, but I still try. And that's my story. And I'm sticking to it. You know, at, um, it was Marnie's life that began to get Carolyn's attention. It, it, was, it was her lifestyle, her, her, her care, her servant heart, her, her patience. It was her life that got Carolyn's attention. But it was in her sharing that she was ultimately brought to the Lord. Answering questions, telling the story, making it clear. The life got the attention, but the sharing led her to Jesus. And I can't help but wonder this morning... Who can your sharing do that for? At any rate, the first thing you need to do to be able to be the witness for the Lord Jesus you're called and created to be is to take stock of your own life and become familiar with your own story. To take the time to recognize where God has been working, how he's been working, what he's been doing so you can share it with others. The second big thing you need to do is simply believe the Bible. Believe the Lord Jesus Christ when he says, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will receive power and you will be my witness. Believe that. Simply believe Jesus. Simply believe the Bible and then begin to act like it's true. Begin to believe and begin to act like you right now have an anointing from the Spirit of God to share the story of God to share the story of your walk with God. You have grace and power from the Spirit of God to brag on Jesus. Number three, the third thing, based on that belief, based on believing, deeply believing that you right now have power from God to be and live as a witness for Jesus, based on that belief, number three, you need to open your mouth. Last week I said if you want nothing, all you have to do is nothing. But if you want something, if you want to see a move of God in your life, if you want to see a move of God in the church, if you want to see a move of God in the city or in the nation or around the world, if you want something, you're going to have to open your mouth. You're going to have to open your mouth in prayer, and you're going to have to open your mouth in testimony. You're going to have to open your mouth in prayer, and you're going to have to open your mouth as a witness. You're going to need to share the story of God and the story of God in your life. And if this is how you respond to the call to share your testimony, listen to me, then you've made sharing your testimony something it's not. Evangelism, listen, evangelism is not winning souls. Because the truth is, you can't do that anyway. You don't have that power. Evangelism is being excited about God. Evangelism is being in love with the Lord and then telling people so. Bragging on Him and the things He's done. We'll continue this study next week. We'll continue it all throughout the week in small groups. I beg you to be involved in that. But in the meantime, here's my challenge to you one more time. Take time this week. Take time this week to get to know your own story better. Stop and think, Lord, how have you changed me? Lord, how have you led me? Lord. What have you done for me? Lord, where have you shown me mercy? Because that's your testimony. Lord, why do I love you? Lord, why do I trust you? That's your testimony. Number two, 
take the Lord Jesus at his word, believe the Bible, that you have Holy Spirit power to be able to do this, that the power is there, the grace is there. And number three, begin to pray every day. Lord, open my eyes and open my mouth. Show me the opportunities you bring for me to speak for you. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you, as always, for the power and clarity of your word. Your word that shows us who you are, your, your word that shows us who we're supposed to be, your word that calls us up into the life you created us for. We, we, we have read and we've studied and we've prayed for the Holy Spirit to come. Lord, we've done that earnestly. We've meant it when we've prayed it. Lord, we believe you have sent your spirit. Now, Lord, as we study and we, and we look and we pray, we believe you've sent your spirit to make us witnesses for Jesus. Do that work in us. Turn us loose, O oh Lord, into this world as those who simply brag on you. Remind us what we have to brag about and give us opportunities to do it. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen? Hallelujah.